girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Today, I have the author of The Five Love Languages, this must-read book with over 13 million copies sold, translated into 50 different languages, steady on the New York Times bestseller list since 2007. I have Dr. Gary Chapman to share his wisdom and his expertise in reconciliation and in inspiring that loving feeling back into the marriages and lives and relationships of millions of people worldwide. I am thrilled to introduce him to you and share his brilliance with you today. So join me. Here we go. Welcome, Dr. Chapman. I have been wanting this interview for so long, and I feel like I hit the jackpot today. Thank you for being with me. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Quebecca. Good to be with you. Well, I have been an admirer of your work. And of course, this book, Five Love Languages, I think I originally read it a decade ago um, as I was coming through my divorce and wishing I had it in my marriage. So um, let's, let's just dive into what are the five love languages and why are they so important that we should know them? And on that aside, as a dating woman in her mid-50s now, on many of the um, dating sites, people will say, hey, my love language is such and such. So it is um, really important to know. Well, it is. You know, I think one of our deepest emotional needs is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And what makes one person feel love doesn't necessarily make another person feel love. And that's where the love languages comes in. And so what I discovered is that there's five fundamental ways to express love. And each person uh, has a primary love language. So out of the five, one is more important than the others. So briefly, they are uh, words of affirmation. Uh, You look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you is just using words to affirm the other person. And then there's acts of service. Now, wait, with that words of affirmation, I mean, that should be easier than it is sometimes, right? So like if words are not your love language, that can be a really big challenge. Yeah. And if you didn't receive words of affirmation growing up, it's a learning curve. Uh, But the good news about all these languages is you can learn them as an adult, even if you did not know them as a child or receive them as a child. Uh, Mm -hmm. You just take steps. Yeah, I said to a guy who said to me, he said, Dr. Chapman, my wife's love language is words of affirmation. And he said, I don't know how to do that. He said, I I, I can't do that. I said, well, tell me three things that you appreciate about your wife. (laughs) He said, well, she's a good cook. She's a good mother. She's a good school teacher. I said, okay. So I wrote out three sen- a sentence on each one of those for him and said, go home and stand in front of the mirror and read these out loud to yourself twice a day for, for this week. 
He came back. I said, can you say them without looking? And he did. I said, now your assignment is for the next three weeks, you give her one of these each week. He came back. And he said, I did it. I said, how'd she respond? He said, well, on the third week, she said to me, what's going on with you? I've never heard you give me so many compliments. And he said, well, honey, I'm trying to learn how to express love to you because I do love you. And she said, that is so sweet. I love you. Oh, <laughs> he said, yes. He said, Dr. Seven, I hadn't heard her say that in a long time. <laughs> so, you know, you take baby steps, but you can learn to speak any of these languages. Perfect. That sounds good. All right. So words of affirmation, number one. Number and two. then acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. In a marriage, that would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, um, cleaning the baby's diaper. Ooh, that's a big act of service. <laughs> oh, yeah. Washing the car, mowing the grass, walking the dog, anything that you know they would like for you to do. Remember the old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is your love language, that will be true. It's not, not true for everyone, but it is true for those for whom this is their language. And that is but definitely it, true for me too. I mean, definitely acts of service. I'm like, show me, don't tell me. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that is truthfully. And I think maybe for physicians, people in the service-oriented fields, is that more common to be an acts of service person or it's still, it depends? No, I don't know. I, I think it depends on a lot of factors, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but my wife's language is acts of service also. And in the early years, I gave her words of affirmation because that was my language. And I would tell her how much I loved her and all this. And she, one day she said, honey, you keep saying I love you. If you love me, why don't you help me? <laughs> I was blown out of the saddle because I knew nothing about love language in those days. But for some people, uh, acts of service is their primary language. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. Uh, before I studied counseling, my, uh, I did an undergrad and a master's degree in cultural anthropology, the study of cultures. We've never found a culture where gift giving is not an expression of love. It's universal to give gifts. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look, look, look what they got from me. And the gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said it's the thought that counts. But I remind people, it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head, okay? <laughs> so there's gifts, and then there's quality time, giving them your undivided attention. I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else mm -hmm. has your attention. TV is off, computer's down, we're not answering our phone. We're looking at each other, we're talking, we're sharing life together, undivided attention. And it doesn't have to be sitting down. You can take a walk down the road and talk. Or you, and you don't even have to be talking. It can be doing something that the other person enjoys doing. Like maybe you want to plant a flower garden together, but you have their full attention. And that's what makes them fill up. And then the last one is physical touch. And we've long known the emotional power of physical touch. In a marriage, that is such things as holding hands and kissing and embracing and the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, just affirming touches. And as I said earlier, the basic idea is that out of those five, each of us has a primary love language. And if you don't speak their primary, they will not feel loved, even though you may be speaking some of the other languages. Well, I have lived that truth for sure, both on the receiving and giving ends of that. So I've been you know, really feeling blessed to learn this and not just with uh, rela romantic relationships of my life, 
But with my children, with my four daughters, learning each of their love languages has been a real blessing in our relationships too. With my little one, who's just about to be 13, I thought it was quality time, but it is words of affirmation. And when I had her do one of your love language quizzes and she goes, mom, of course it's words of affirmation. She goes, when you say something positive and encourage me, it just lights me up. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, you know, to parents, I say, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is, do your children feel loved? I mean, by nature, we love our children. But if we don't speak their love language, they, they won't feel it. I remember a 13-year-old young man that ended up in my office. He'd run away from home. And in my office, he said to me, my parents don't love me. They love my brother, but they don't love me. I knew his parents. I knew they loved him. The problem is they'd never learned how to speak his love language. So yeah, it's extremely important in the parent-child relationship or any, any really close relationship. I think so. So Dr. Chapman, how do people, how do we, how do you tell people to find out or discover their own love language and communicate that as well as the love language of those they love? Well, there are some informal ways that you can do that. Number one is simply observe their behavior or observe your own behavior. How do you, by nature, respond to people in general? If you're always giving people affirming words, encouraging words, that's probably what you want because we tend to speak our own language. Uh, With children, you can determine their love language by the age of four using this observing their behavior. My son's love language is physical touch. When, when he was that age and I would come home from work, he would run to the door and grab my leg and climb all over me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. Our daughter would say at that age, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time, my undivided attention. So observe the behavior. Uh, and then what do you complain about most often? Or what do they complain about? Oh, I'll complaint. tell you what I complain about. Yeah, like, help me out. <laughs> Give me a hand. So the complaint reveals the love language. You know, if a wife says, for example, I just feel like we don't ever see each other anymore. I mean, it's, we're busy, and it, I feel like we're ships passing in the night. She's complaining that she's not getting quality time. Uh, so, yeah, whatever the complaint is, if a child's complaining about something, you know, Uh, I remember uh, uh, a mother told me this, a six-year-old son said to his mother, we don't ever go to the park anymore since the baby came. He and his mother used to go to the park. He had her undivided attention, but now the baby's here and he's not getting that quality time. He's speaking loudly. This is what I need. Uh, So what do you complain about? And then the third is, what do you request most often? because the request also reveals the love language. And my daughter, when she was a teenager, she would say to me two or three nights a week, Dad, can we take a walk after dinner? And I'd say, sure, honey, as soon as I finish dishes for your mama. <laughs> <laughs> right, because your wife is acts of service. Yeah, acts of service, yeah. Fill mama's love tank, and then I'll take, <laughs> take you for a walk. So, yeah. Uh, so those three things, you can pretty well figure out your own love language or someone else's language. Now, There is also a free quiz online at fivelovelanguages.com. There's a quiz for married couples. Yeah, and it's also in the back of that book. Yeah, 
Uh, but there's a quiz for married couples. There's a quiz for single adults. There's a quiz for teenagers. And then there's a little game type thing you play for younger children to determine their love language. So I'd say try the informal ways and see what you come up with and then take the quiz and see if it affirms what you have discovered informally. I love that. And I want to thank you for sharing this five love languages. Okay, everyone, you guys got to figure out your own. Please comment below, share with me, let me know what your love languages are or is your primary love language. Work on figuring that out. And I can't wait to hear it. We'll be right back digging deep into with Dr. Gary Chapman into why it's so important to know your love language and what happens if you guys aren't speaking, if we're not speaking each other's love language. So we'll be right back. Well, Dr. Chapman, I'm so glad to be back here with you. And I want to talk about now that we know what our love language is, is, well, our primary one is, and maybe like secondary love languages and how important those are, what are the big risks of not knowing your love language? Well, I think when we don't know uh, the other person's love language, uh, chances are we're not going to meet the need for love. You know, I like the picture inside every one of us, inside children, inside adults. There's an emotional love tank. And when the love tank is full, life is beautiful. But when the love tank is empty and you feel like they don't love me, they wish they weren't married to me, life begins to look pretty dark. And so the only way to, to meet that need for love is to speak love in a language that communicates to them emotionally. And uh, what happened in my, in my counseling with couples, and this is where I discovered the love languages, they would sit in my office and one of them would say, I just feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other one would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And I knew they were sincere. They were expressing love, but they were missing the other person. So that's why it's so important. You can be sincere and still miss each other emotionally. And the love tank, it's empty. And, uh, and life is much more difficult to handle when the love tank is empty, much easier to handle when the love tank is full. I would agree. And that just brings to memory that, episode, that song in Fiddler of the Roof, Fiddler on the Roof, that is like, um, she's singing, does she love, does he love me? And he's singing, does she love me? And she's like, I clean his socks. I wash his clothes. I keep the house, right? Take care of the children. And he's like, does she love me? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That was an illustration of it right there. <laughs> and how does this lead to divorce and those feelings of being really disconnected in a relationship? And is this exacerbated like this, our tank, does it get emptier faster when we're in stress? You know, I think it does. Uh, I think what happens to many couples is what happened to me in the early days of our marriage. You know, the in love experience that we, we typically call we fall in love, it has an average lifespan of two years. And we're pushed along with these emotions. And this is the most wonderful person in the world. And then we come down off the high. Well, my wife and I had dated two and a half years before we got married. So I came down pretty soon after the honeymoon and our conflicts arose and we didn't know how to solve conflicts because when you're in love, you don't think you'll have any conflicts. And so we ended up arguing and would raise our voice and say some hateful things. And before long, not only had I lost all those love feelings, I was having negative feelings toward her. And <clears throat> what happens with many couples is 
at that juncture, they live for a while with these negative feelings and these thoughts that I've married the wrong person. It's not going to work. Then at work or somewhere else, they meet someone else and they get attracted to them. And now they have an emotional attraction, which often leads to, to a physical attraction and, and leads to a divorce. Uh, whereas if you could have learned this and chosen to speak each other's love language, you would have created a climate in which the two of you could solve conflicts much easier. Because when you feel loved by each other, then as you come to a conflict, you're respecting the other person's position. And you're listening with, with open ears to hear what they're thinking and what they're feeling. So it makes a huge impact. In fact, I've had many people say to me, Gary, that book, The Five Love Languages, literally saved our marriage. I mean, we were talking divorce, and we read that book, and the lights came on. It was, it was just like we looked back and realized how we'd missed each other. And we took the quiz, and we started speaking the right language, and the emotions came back. Uh, you know, and, so, and that's what I hope will happen to couples who read the book. And I hope they read it early on before they get to the place where they feel like they you know, make the decision that we're going to give up on it. Yes. Yeah. I feel the same way about your book. I wish I read it a lot earlier on, like on our honeymoon, maybe, or even while we were dating. <laughs> yes. I think that would have made a really big difference. And it's important to know this now. And, and I think that I love how in the five love languages, you talk, you have great assignments, right? You give, you've given examples, beautiful examples and great assignments to couples, even in the case where they hate each other. <laughs> yep. And like, that is, that is powerful to see that trans, transformation. And I know too, like in, a, in my practice as well, and working with couples, especially post-menopause, um, that sense of being roommates versus in love and, and attracted and emotionally, you know, filled up, right? On fire yeah. again. And you touch on that too. What about over age 50? Is there a different way we need to look or communicate these love languages? You know, I think there may be because there are many dialects within each of these languages. I call them dialects. You know, this is very similar to spoken language. We all grew up with a language and a dialect. We call it our native tongue. It's the one we understand best. Same thing is true with love. So we have a, we have a native tongue, a native love language, a primary love language, I call it. And, and so uh, you know, within each of those languages, there are many dialects. Uh, for example, a lady said to me the other day, she said, Gary, my husband and I have the same love language. I said, wonderful. I said, what is it? She said, acts of service. But she said, the things that I want him to do for me are different from the things that he wants me to do for him. Same language, just different dialects. So those kind of things may change you know, over a period of time. Whereas at one juncture, you really wanted uh, him to do certain things and now you want him to do other things. So there can be changes, I think, in the dialect and maybe as we get older, but the principle is the same. And typically the love language tends to stay, the primary language tends to stay with us for a lifetime. Excellent point. And I think this is going to lead us into our third segment. So is our love language constant or does it change? All right. For our audience, you guys have to understand what are the big risks of not knowing your love language? Really understand this because being able to speak it, try it, even if things have gotten so bad and if, if you've divorced and there's still strife within the relationship, understanding this and what could have maybe shifted the quality of your relationship in the past is going to be game changing for your relationships in the future. So here we go into our next segment. Is it constant or does it change? 
Well, Dr. Gary Chapman, again, I am so thrilled to have you on here. Let's talk about, can our love language change based on our life situations? For example, you know, from dating to marriage or like as we addressed in the last segment, post-menopause. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the fundamental primary language tends to stay with us for a lifetime. But having said that, I think there are seasons of life, circumstances where another love language will jump to the top. For example, a mother who has two preschool children, acts of service may not be her primary language before that, but it's likely to jump to the top because she's overwhelmed with all that has to be done. Uh, Here's another example. If you're number one and number two are very close, and sometimes they are, uh, I call these people bilingual, (laughs) either one (laughs) of those two are going to really speak deeply to them. And if you get enough of your number one, you may begin to think, I don't know, I think number two has become number one. But if they stop doing number one, you'll quickly say, oh, no, 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 that's still my primary. <laughs> uh, here's another circumstance, for example. Let's say that your, your spouse uh, gets word that, uh, that one of their parents has died. Physical touch may not be their language, but at that juncture, you're holding them, letting them cry, is probably the most powerful thing you can do at that moment. So yes, I think, uh, I think there, there may be seasons of life where another love language may jump to the top for a while. Uh, but I do think that that primary language does, it stays pretty important throughout the whole of life. I, I agree. And so far, it's, it's definitely my acts of service love language has been primary. Again, I read your book a decade ago. And, but my secondary love language changed. So I found that to be interesting at this, at this time of life that, um, that I saw that change. Now, is our love language different in different relationships? So romantic versus our children versus our colleagues? I think it may be, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote a book uh, later, the original book, called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. We just took the love languages to work, okay? I did it with Dr. Paul White, who is a psychologist who had 20 years experience in business. And we did find that there's not a positive, uh, not an overwhelming positive correlation between your love language in family relationships and your love language in the workplace. We found there was about a 32% correlation. That is 32% of the people would have the same appreciation language at work and the love language at home, but the other folks, uh, the work relationship, it would be different. Because let's face it, family relationships are very different from work relationships. Now, we use the word appreciation rather than the word love at work. It's the same basic need. It's that need to feel that people appreciate me. I'm not just a cog in the machine. They, They value me as a person. And, and that's why it's, it's, it's really important in the workplace to understand this concept, especially with those that you work with on a regular basis. Uh, so I think, yes, I think in those two situations, at least, uh, family relationships and work relationships, uh, the primary language may be different for sure. Yes. And I have that book, Five uh, Languages of Appreciation, and I have taken it into my workplace. I have employees. I have over 20 employees, but a core key group have been with me um, for over 20 years. Mm. And I I absolutely know their love languages. And 
I got to get better at communicating it. You know, I'm definitely going to add that um, into, into my practices this year. But also the new employees, I haven't looked at their, you know, language of yeah. appreciation. So it will be fun to, to explore this. And again, to really create the dynamics of a, a loving workplace where we do feel appreciated. I don't think there's any greater gift I can give as an employer than that. I think that's true. You know, what we discovered is, or, or what research discovered, and that's what motivated us to write this book, that 70% of the people in this country who have a job say they feel little to no appreciation coming from the people with whom they work. And 64% of the people who leave a job and go to another job say they left primarily because they didn't feel appreciated. So this is huge in the workplace. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for sharing this. And here we've been discussing, is our love language constant or has it or does it change over time? And, and um, I think it's, it's important to keep abreast of it and, and look and see as well as understanding what really is communicating love and appreciation to us as each individual. Dr. Chapman, I want to thank you for being here and let everyone know you can get, you know, take your quiz online at fivelovelanguages.com. And there's so many good resources with Dr. Gary Chapman, but also um, this book is essential. It's essential for you and a great gift to give to all those that you love and great conversation starter as well. So <laughs> I think it's really fun to have. I want to thank you for your work here. And I'm going to bring you into my Girlfriend Doctor Clubhouse for an exclusive. And we're going to talk about a very, um, un, you know, tender topic, uncensored on affairs and how to deal with a relationship if, um, if that person has had an affair or if you yourself had an affair and you're trying to figure out, well, why that was not characteristic We'll go into that in just a second. And for our girlfriends out there and everyone in the community, I want to make sure that you guys have your questions answered. Don't forget to connect with me at dranna.com on my podcast page and be sure to enter in your questions. Plus, share with me what your love language is. Dr. Gary Chapman, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Anna. Good to be with you. 